Hello, good morning. This is Rick Pina, and I'm bringing you today's word for September 15, 2023. I'm teaching a series on the parables of the talents. I'm actually teaching a series on all the parables of Jesus. We went through the parable of the sower. Right now, we're in the parable of the talents. I hope that you've been enjoying it. If you missed yesterday's message or the one before that, you need to go watch those too, because this one kind of flows in that same vein. Listen, this is Pearls from the Parables, part 58. The title of today's message is True Stewardship requires getting rid of limiting beliefs, part two. So say this, say, I'm getting rid of limiting beliefs. Put in the chat, limiting beliefs will no longer hold me back. We're about to get rid of some stuff. We're gonna, we're gonna get rid of everything that's holding us back. You ready? Get ready for the word. All right, I'm excited about this word on many levels uh, because I grew up. I, I, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm not ashamed of it. I mean, I just, I let people know all the time. I tell my story. I tell my testimony. So does Isabella. I grew up uh, as a son of immigrants in this country, and so growing up in Brooklyn, and my mom being an immigrant. My mom, first of all, let me just say, my mom is she's upstairs right now. My mom is amazing. I love my mom. She made sure that we never lacked anything, right? But I'm just saying though that the environment that I grew up in was very limiting. It was a weird dynamic because when I went to the Dominican Republic and I was at my grandmother's house and we had to, you know, use the bathroom in the outhouse and bathe in the river and have no running water and no electricity. That was one dynamic. Uh, but when I was in, in uh, New York, the people in the DR would be like, dude, you're rich. You live in New York. And in New York, people would be like, yo, we're poor, right? We're on welfare and we have to buy food with food stamps. So it was just this weird dynamic. But when I got, you know, born again, I'm in the military and it's like the Lord started to speak to me about things that he wanted to do in my life. I couldn't see it. Isabella grew up uh, in a very similar environment, uh, uh, even more, I would call it abject poverty. And then from that perspective, God, you, she couldn't see it. And so here you have two people who love each other, who love God. And uh, actually Monique is watching. I remember uh, Monique came to our house in uh, Colleen, Texas, Monique Farrell. Um, and, um, and at first we was like, I was like, oh, I don't know if we should invite her. I mean, this is a little bitty house, you know, the battalion commander's wife kind of thing. Uh, but you know, she came, she was super gracious. She came over. Uh, I don't know what Isabella was hosting someday, but, but Isabella made this thing a home, right? But, but, but limiting beliefs, even that, like I had all of these limiting beliefs, like we can't invite people. We can't do this. Look at who we are. We don't have this. We don't have that. We will never have it because you know, this is, you know, that kind of thing. And your beliefs, you, if you're not careful, your beliefs are going to hold you back, right? Mark 9 and 23 says, all things are possible to him that believes. And so if you don't believe something, then it's not possible for you. It's not that it's not possible. It's just not possible for you because you don't believe it. But now what we're going to do, put this in the chat. I expand my capacity to believe God. All right. Psalms 126 and verse 4 is a scripture we've been looking at all year. Uh, let's look at it again. The Bible says, now, Lord do it again. Say, Lord, do it again. Restore us to the former glory. May streams of your refreshing flow over us until dry hearts are drenched again. This is a season of refreshing and restoring for you. I don't want any area of your life to, to dry up. Put in the chat, no dry areas for me 
God will refresh you in this season. You got it? All right. Matthew chapter 25, beginning at verse 14, is the passage we've been looking at is the parable of the talents. You you should have got it by now, right? We've been going through this thing for weeks. Uh, But let me just tell you the story again. Jesus said, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a man that went on a journey. And before he left, he gathered three of his servants together and he gave them financial management responsibilities. To one, he gave five talents. To one, he gave two talents. To one, he gave one talent. And it was according to their ability to manage. And then he left. And when he left, immediately, the guy with five talents, double the money, got two, got five more, and I 100% return. The guy with two talents, double the money, got two more, 100% return. The guy with one dug a hole, put it in there, said, I'm not doing anything with this thing. I don't even like the master like that. He's, you know, he's trying to get rich off of me, and this is ridiculous, and blah, blah, blah. That's what he believed. Okay, after a long time, the Bible says the master came back. And when the master came back, he wanted to settle accounts. The guy with five talents said, hey, master, I doubled your money. He said, you know what? You are good. You are faithful. You are loyal. Man, that's all right. Matter of fact, what I gave you before, it doesn't. It pales in comparison to what I'm about to do in your life right now because you've been faithful over little. I'm going to make you charge over much. Enter now into the joy of the Lord. The guy with two talents said, hey, I doubled your money too. He was like, okay, cool, cool. I got you. I got you. Come on now. You get the same reward. You doubled the money. You've been faithful. You've been loyal. What I gave you is small in comparison to what I'm about to do in your I'm about to bless you real good. Put that in the chat. Say, God is about to bless me real good. Glory to God. He says, yeah, I'm about to bless you real good. Enter now into the joy of the Lord. I'm about to take you to a whole nother level. The guy with one talent said, I'm glad you're back. Here's your talent. I dug a hole. I put it in a hole. I did nothing with your money. I know, I, or this is what he believed, right? He said, I know you get rich off of the backs of other people. I know that you reap where you have not sown. I know that you, I, I don't even want your stuff here. And the owner said, man, you could have at least put the money in the bank. It could have got some interest while I was gone, but you did nothing with it. You were wicked. You were unfaithful. You were not loyal. Matter of fact, let's get this guy out of here. Throw him away from me. He says, now the little thing that, the little that he has, I'm going to take it away from him. I'm going to give it to the guy with 10 talents. Because in the kingdom, the way this thing, not like the world, but in the kingdom, the way this thing works, not like the world, you got to think like God. The way God thinks is, hey, if you have a lot and you're managing it well, I'm going to give you a bunch more. <laughs> That's how I roll. That's how God rolls. But uh, but if you have little, even the little that you have will be taken away from you if you don't manage it well. And that's how God rolls. And so you got to think like God. Say, I think like God. And so he says, yeah, cast this man away from me into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So... What does this mean for you today? I said all that to set it up, right? So the last two days, we looked at King David raising an offering for the building of King Solomon's temple. And then we looked at Solomon, you know, taking what was given to him and building the temple and having this elaborate celebration of the building of the temple where they burned up 20,000 cows and uh, 22,000 cows and 120,000 sheep and goats, right? We looked at all of that. Uh, we looked at how they raised $17, $18 billion in gold, just in gold, not counting silver, not counting bronze, not counting iron, not counting mosaic tiles or marble stones, all of that stuff. And so we are looking at this thing. And as I'm looking at it, I know that there are people that are like, oh, I don't know. Like, I, like when I think of God, I don't think of that. Like, you know, the, the church I was raised in, when I thought of God, I didn't think of any of that stuff because I was never taught. I was never explained. What I just walked you through the last two days, I was never taught that in the Bible. Um, so when I thought of God, I thought of like being meek, being lowly, and honestly, being poor, right? Being meek, 
being lowly and honestly, I'm just telling you my experience, being poor. Because the people that I honored as our spiritual leaders had taken a vow of poverty. And if somebody takes a vow of poverty, whether they tell me that poverty is pious or not, if I if they're my spiritual leaders and I equate them consciously or subconsciously, I'm going to equate them to righteousness, right? Consciously or subconsciously, I'm going to think that that's right. And if they have taken a vow of poverty, then I'm going to think that money's bad and poverty is good, right? And there's a lot of believers today, Christians right now, while I'm talking, that still have that mentality. And so when I read something like what I read the last two days, and I'm showing you stuff on how God's people rolled and all that, and, and talking about billions of dollars and all of these things and elaborate ceremonies and this massive temple, and it took 180,000 workers, seven and a half years and billions of dollars to build this church and blah, blah. And I know that that's like pushing against, for a lot of people, it's pushing against what you believe. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about getting rid of limiting beliefs. You got it? All right. So. Man, I said a lot in the setup. I have three things to share with you this morning. You ready? All right. Number one, here we go. Put in the chat, say no more limiting beliefs for me. All right. So number one, let me just talk about beliefs. On Monday, I'm going to still be talking about this because I need I, I need to draw. See, one thing I love about today's word is I don't have to rush, right? I could just take my time. And you know me, I'd be like on part 84 on something, right? So I'm going to take my time because I want you to get it because God wants you to get it. All right. Number one, your belief system is either opening your heart to God's best or it is keeping you from it. Your belief system is either opening your heart to God's best or it's keeping you from it. Beliefs can create and beliefs can destroy. It is important to be conscious of your beliefs and your belief system. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, the Bible says, guard your heart above all else for it, your heart, determines the course of your life. Another translation reads, above all, be careful what you think because your thoughts control your life. Your thoughts are going to determine the course of your life. Your thoughts control your life. Put in the chat, my thoughts control my life. So what you think is absolutely paramount. It is important. Let's talk about your beliefs. Let's break this thing down. You know how I do, right? I like to take my time. I like to take a topic and then break it all the way down. So let's break this thing down. What is a belief? A belief is a feeling of absolute certainty about something or someone, including yourself. A belief is a, is a feeling. It's just like, absolute, I'm certain about this thing. I believe it. I'm certain about it, about something or someone, including myself. When you have a belief about something, you're convinced of it. Like, like you're convinced. It's not a question in your mind. It's not just an idea. It's a conviction. It's a conviction that is settled in your heart and it's settled in your mind. Like, for example, if somebody comes up to me, I'm just going to use an example. Somebody comes up to me in church. Some young lady comes up to the altar for prayer, for something else. And I look at her and the Holy Spirit says, tell her that she's beautiful. And I say, hey, baby, you know, you're beautiful. And she starts crying. And I go, why? What's the matter? No, I'm not beautiful. No, I'm not beautiful. Oh, so she believes she's not beautiful. And that's, she's convinced of it. And so now I could say, sweetie, God loves you. Uh, sweetie, you are beautiful. No, but somebody told her and somehow she got to the point where she believes she's not. And so now we got to break through that thing and change what she thinks 
so she could see herself the way that God sees her. And if you don't see yourself the way that God sees you, it's very hard for you to do what God has called you to do. Belief precedes faith. Now, say this. Say, I am the just and I live by faith. But you will never get to the faith stage until you get past the belief stage. Belief precedes faith. So faith is over here. Belief is over here. Now, now you can believe a bunch of stuff that you don't have faith for, right? So you believe a bunch of stuff, and then you have to exercise your faith in order to launch out. But you will never exercise faith for something you don't believe. <laughs> and so, so, so belief precedes faith. So you have to expand your capacity to believe God to where you believe that God can do anything, and you believe that God can do anything in, with, and through you, so that when he tells you to do something, because you believe it, now I can exercise faith for it, but I'm never going to exercise faith for something that I do not believe. So you got to get past the book belief stage to get to the faith stage. Say amen to that. All right. So there's a spiritual component and an emotional component to your beliefs. Beliefs are not just intellectual agreements or mental assent. Belief, beliefs carry spiritual weight and emotional weight, right? So beliefs come with a sense of peace or a sense of fear. If you believe God's got you, man, you got a sense of peace it don't matter. It doesn't matter what the world says. It doesn't matter what letter you get in the mail. It doesn't matter what email you get that you didn't want. You believe God's got me. I'm good. Like you have a sense of peace that passes all understanding. Now, if you believe things are not going to work out for you, then you have fear and you have the fear of failure. And it doesn't matter what I say. Oh, God loves you. God wants to bless you. And no, you're, you're, you've already convinced yourself that you're going to fail. And I'm like, hey, God wants to bless you. God wants to do this. God wants, God, you were not born to fail. But if you believe that in this area, you're already going to fail, it doesn't matter what I say. Like I, I'm talking and I'm trying to get there, but you've already convinced yourself that you're going to fail. So you, so you got to, now in my case, I've already convinced myself that all I do is win, 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 no matter what, right? So it's hard for the devil to get me to believe that I'm going to fail. So even when things are not working out, even when things are not moving fast enough for Isabella and I, I can say, baby, I know God didn't send us here to fail. The devil is a liar. Jesus is the Messiah. So I, I don't know what this looks like. This don't look like what I, what I see in the prayer closet, but it's only a matter of time before what we see in our hearts, we're going to see it in our hands. It's only a matter of time before the earth catches up with the spirit. So we, we're not going to be moved by what we see. We're going to be moved by what God said. Say amen to that. And so the, your beliefs carry emotional and spiritual weight. You're going to, if you believe what God believes about you, then no matter what's going on externally, you're still going to have a spring in your step internally, right? Right? Because you're going to feel great. You're going to feel amazing because you're not moved by what's happening on the outside. But if you're moved by what's happening on the outside and the devil is bringing all of this negative input, you're going to feel terrible and you're going to think terrible. Why? Because that's what you believe. That There's a mental or a, a, a cognitive um, component to your belief system too, right? So it's more, it's like this mental aspect where you almost have to rationalize to yourself what you believe. You almost, your belief is the story or the narrative that you tell yourself about yourself or about whatever the circumstance is. And so for example, if you say, I know that there are people that say, people in my family, right? Women in my family, their marriages don't last more than 10 years. I've heard people say that out loud. Crazy. Why would you say that? Women in my family, oh, everybody in my family gets a divorce. So when I get married, I know, I know I'm going to get married, but I don't know if it's going to last because marriages in my family don't last more than 10 years. 
I've I've heard people say stuff like that. Oh, the 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 men in my family all die at the age of 60 or before 60. I don't know why would you why would you say that and why would you even believe that? But I've heard it. And then sure enough, they die. Like I'm talking about before the age of 60. Sure enough, the divorce comes. Why? Before the 10-year mark. That's what they believe. Like, like it's more you have told yourself a story or a narrative to help you to justify what you believe. And it's a story. And it's a story that that like either God told you, right? Because when, when I look at my future, what am I believing? I'm believing the story that God told me about my future. Uh, this, this, this stuff hasn't happened yet, but I'm like, okay, hey, babe, this is what we believe. What are we believing? The story that we believe that God gave us about the future that's already done, and it's only a matter of time. Now, the devil is trying to give me a story too, right? So God can give me dreams while I'm sleeping, open visions while I'm awake. The devil is trying to give me stuff too. I, I reject him, right? The devil is a lie. Jesus is the Messiah. So I'm looking over here. But whatever story you believe is a story that, that you're going to convince yourself of. And once you're convinced of it, it's only a matter of time before you walk in it. And there's also a behavioral component. So what whatever you believe is what you're going to do, right? Beliefs drive actions. What you believe will dictate how you behave. What you believe dictates how you behave. So as a believer... There's some things, you know why I do what I do? Because I believe what I believe. I believe this is what I believe about myself. And because I believe this about myself, then it dictates how I behave, how I act, how I interact with people, all kinds of stuff. I remember when I was in the Pentagon, when I first got to the Pentagon, I worked uh, uh, right next to um, a, a two-star general's office and uh, uh, I was in the cubicle. And I wasn't used to being in the cubicle. I had my office for years. I had an office for years. But I got to the Pentagon, and you know the Pentagon is the Pentagon. So I'm in a cubicle right outside the general's office. And right next to the general's office was a small a conference room that was the same size as his office. Two-star general. The office next to it was the same size as his office, but it was a conference room. And when I looked at that, I saw he almost never used that conference room. So one day, I went to him, and I said, hey, sir, you don't for me to do what I do, I don't know. I need my own space. And I see that you don't really use this conference room. Do you mind if I convert this conference room into my office? He said, no, I don't mind. <laughs> and so we did that. And my God, you know, people start chirping. And then people started talking about, who does he think he is? Like, who did, well, I don't know about what you believe about you, but I, I know what I believe about me. And me having an office in the Pentagon next to the, I mean, like that don't mean nothing to me, but that's, that's small compared to what I believe about myself. You got to believe what God believes about you. And so, so you, you are only going to have, listen, if you can't see it, you can't have it. If you can't see it, you never, you will never be it. In the kingdom of God, you got to see it on the inside before you're going to have it on the outside. Say amen to that. Number two, how do you shape your belief system? How do you shape your belief system? Or how was it shaped? Okay, let me break this down. How it was shaped for you. First thing, so a social environment. Say social environment. So peer pressure. Like, listen, you are a product of your environment. You are. Like newsflash, you are. Your social environment does matter. Peer pressure is a powerful force, especially in the formative years. When you're searching your own identity, what do you do? You mimic the people that are around you. So if you surround yourself with the wrong people, you're going to become the wrong person. My mother used to say, mira, déjame decirte algo, muchacho. Enseñame con quién andas y te diré quién eres. She would say, show me who you hang with and I'll tell you who you are. Proverbs 13 and 20 says, wisdom and foolishness can be transferred by association. 
So your your social environment does matter. Your, who you connect with, it does matter. You got you to gotta connect with the right people in order to become the right person. And the church said, amen. Number two, or in this point B, credible authority figures. Now, who you give license to speak into your life, is it matters. It does matter. This is why I thank God for you allowing me to speak into your life. You have given me the authority or the right to speak into your life every morning. That's important for me. Like I take this very seriously, but who you allow to speak into your life, it does matter. My mother, we used to say once again, mira, la cosa se cogen, de quien lo dicen. You, you receive things based upon who said it. So if somebody says something to you about you that you really don't value, then you blow it off. Like whatever, like, you know, that, those words mean nothing to you. But when you when somebody that is a credible authority figure says to you, hey, you need to stop doing that, and you honor and admire and respect that person, their words carry weight. Not everybody's words carry the same weight. Their words carry weight. And so you can't blow it off. So now you're like, oh, I need to internalize that and I need to make some, some changes. Why? Because a credible authority figure, someone that I've given the right to speak into my life, they said something and I need to do that. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse seven says, don't forget about your leaders. These are the people that brought to you the word of God. Watch this. Consider the outcome of their well, their well-spent lives and imitate their faith. I, I don't want you to imitate me like how I talk. I don't want you to imitate where I live. I don't want you to imitate what I drive. I don't want you to imitate, imitate how I dress. That's what the, you shouldn't do that. I'm not trying to imitate my pastor in that way, but you should imitate the faith. You should, if you believe that I'm a credible authority figure, and I'm telling you what I did to get to where I am. And I'm explaining to you how Isabella and I operated in faith, how we expanded our capacity to believe God. And we stood on these scriptures and God did this. Then you should imitate our faith. That's what the Bible teaches. Say amen to that. C, repetitious information. So, so watch this. You eventually believe and become what you consistently receive. You eventually believe what you consistently receive. This is why you got to protect your ear gate. This is why you got to protect your eye gate. It, what's in you abundantly is going to come out of you eventually. Uh, Jesus said in Luke chapter 6 and verse 45, good people out of the goodness of their heart bring forth good things. Evil people out of the evil that's in their heart bring forth evil things. So your words are telling everybody what's going on in your heart. Faith has a language. I can hear it. So, so your words are telling everybody outside what's going on inside in your life. So you got to fill your heart with good things, repetitious information, which is why you watch today's word every day. D, personal experiences. Now, your personal experiences matter. What you've been through, because what you've been through something like, like nobody can tell me there's not, there's not a, a God. Like nobody can tell me God is not real. Why? Because I've been through too much. I've seen through too much, right? If you take a little boy and you say, hey, fire is good. Like you, put, you turn on the fire in the stove and you say, fire is good. And, and, and his mama says, fire is good. His daddy says, fire is good. His auntie says, fire is good. Touch it. It's okay, baby. Touch it. And he touches the fire and gets burnt. His personal experience is going to override everything everybody said. Forget y'all. I just burned my hand. I'm never doing that again. Why? Because he got a personal experience. See, when you get a personal experience, when you've been through something, that's why I told you, you can't just know God from a book. When you, when you have a personal experience with God and you've been through some stuff, then it's going to override the negative things or anything else. Listen, you're going to believe God based on your experiences. And E, last point from this point, spiritual teachings or possibly religious teachings. Say this, it does matter where you go to church. 
Yeah, it does. It does matter where you go to church. It does matter what you listen to. It does matter who you allow to teach you. It does matter who you give license to speak into your life. I learned things in church that were limiting. I learned things in church that were limited. And so if you learn in church, especially some of the things that I learned in church about money and about how poverty was pious, then it's going to be hard for you to be a good steward because you're going to be against stewardship. You're going to be against God's increase because you just can't see it. And you think that you're right because you learned it in church. It does matter where you go to church. You got it? Number three. And finally, last point for today. I know I'm giving you a lot on this Friday morning, but let me just close by telling you this last point. Number three, limiting beliefs hold us back. So it's time to let it go. Put in the chat. I'm going to let it go. Limiting beliefs hold us back. A limiting belief is a self-imposed, usually unconscious belief that restricts you. See, most limiting beliefs were formed in childhood, through your society, credible authority figures, what you learned in church. I got it. Your beliefs are a lens at which you look at life. And if the lens is tainted, then everything you see is going to be tainted. But I look at life through God's lens. And so I believe that I'm going to come out on top. I believe that I'm, I believe what God believes about me. I'm the head, not the tail. Above only, not beneath. I'm the winner, not the loser. I'm the victor, never the victim. I believe that I'm going to come out on top. I believe that God has already given me the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that the victory is already mine. I believe that if it doesn't look like I'm winning, then obviously the battle's not over because it's not going to be over until I come out on top. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's what I believe. And so I don't know about you, but I believe like that. And so I, I've removed every artificial limit from my limitless God. I believe that God can do anything through anyone. I, I believe that God. there's nothing God can do. I believe that God wants to do it through me. And so I give myself over to God and I believe it. And because I believe it, then when God tells me to do something, I can exercise faith because I don't have a limiting belief that's holding me back. See, for many people, what I just taught over the last two days, it was pushing up against what you believe. For many people, what I just taught over the last two days, it was pushing up against, it was rubbing up, oh, it was rubbing you wrong when, when I said billions of dollars. That as a, a Christians had billions of dollars. Christians raised 18 billions of dollars to build the church. Christ, that, that It was rubbing you wrong. God's people put silver, lined the walls with silver. God's people built stuff with gold. God's people, listen, it rubbed you the wrong way. Why? You don't even know why. Because you have limiting beliefs. You have things that is like, why is this thing bothering me? It's bothering you because you believe, you, 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 you've sold yourself or told yourself a narrative based on what you got from your credible authority figures, your social environment, your parents, your experiences. You sold yourself or told yourself a story about God's increase and in prosperity that doesn't line up with God's heart. And so it's hard for you to be a steward. The steward, the unfaithful steward had a belief. What was his belief? This guy wants to get rich off of me, right? This guy wants to reap what he have not sown. I'm not going to do nothing for him. What did he come up with that belief? That was not the heart of the master at all. So if you have the wrong belief, you're going to do the wrong things and you're going to be unfaithful. You won't be able to open up your heart to God's best. You won't be able to believe what God believes about you. The Bible says God takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. When I say prosperity, some people immediately shut down. And when I say prosperity, oh, the prosperity gospel, ooh, why? That's some kind of belief that you've developed. That's a story, that, that's a narrative. Ooh, prosperity, bad. Bad, bad. Warning, warning. Rick said prosperity. Bad. Listen, you got to let that thing go. Prosperity is a good word. It's a Bible word. I, I, it's, it's, it's in the Bible. The Bible says God takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. God wants you to prosper. God wants you to win. God wants you to succeed. God wants you to come out on top and you got to stop limiting yourself. You got to stop. Let all of those limiting thoughts go 
And the church said, amen. Say amen to that. Let's close this message out with a declaration of faith. I want you to lift up your voice and speak this over your life. And let's close out the whole week with this declaration. Say, Father, this is a season of refreshing and restoring for me. I boldly declare that my belief system is aligned with your word and your will for my life. I recognize that beliefs can create and beliefs can destroy. So I choose to cultivate beliefs that create your life, a life of abundance and purpose. Your word says that I have to guard my heart because my thoughts control my life. So I rid myself of every limiting belief. I believe what you believe about me. And I understand that beliefs precede faith. So I open up my heart to your teachings so I can walk in unwavering faith. I embrace the emotional and the spiritual weight of my beliefs, and I declare that they're drawing me closer to you. My beliefs are not based on thoughts alone. They are deeply rooted convictions of what you want to do in my life. I honor you, Father. I respect the credible authority figures you've given me. I draw wisdom from them. I'm convinced that you love me. And it is your love that empowers me to live by faith. I overcome fear and every limiting belief. I release every artificial limit I've ever placed on you. And I boldly declare greater is coming for me. I declare this by faith in Jesus' name. Amen. This is today's word. On Monday, I'm having another one. Please apply it and prosper. If you're not getting these messages, please go to todaysword.org. Click on the big red subscribe button. That's how you get my notes. You're going to get all my notes in your email inbox for free. Sign up, get the notes. Listen, do me a favor, two things. Leave me some comments in the chat if this message was a blessing to you. And then number two, share this message right now on your social media, on your timeline, and with your friends. Have an amazing weekend. Greater. It's coming for you. God bless you. If you enjoyed this content and you would like to know more about our ministry or you would like to partner with us in what we're doing in the Caribbean, being a blessing to Haitian children in the Dominican Republic, then please go to ripministries.org. You'll be able to find out more information there. And if you'd like to make a donation, all the donations are tax deductible in the United States. A few months ago, the Lord impressed it upon my heart to set up a coaching and mentorship program, and Isabella and I set that up. And so now we make ourselves available on three different levels for those that want access to us and to learn things about maximizing your potential, increasing your personal productivity, and fulfilling your life's purpose. If you're interested in that, go to patreon.com forward slash Rick Pina. And then lastly, the Lord impressed it upon my heart to write several books and journals to help people grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Please go to rickpina.co if you don't have our material, and there's also apparel there as well. Listen, thank you for being a blessing to us. We pray that our ministry will continue to be a blessing to you.